Good evening and welcome to episode 3 of the Orlando Infopod. On tonight's show, we have a discussion about everyone's favourite subject, food, and where to get the best eats in Orlando. Uh, in this discussion, we have Kath and Bob Watson, Tim Tinsley, and Annette Kenny. Also coming up on tonight's show is Michael Hadley bringing you another chapter from his book, The Grumpy Middle-Aged Dad and Lottie, Adventures in Orlando. Be aware that there may be some innuendo in this reading. And to top things off, we have Sue Sutherland bringing you the weather for the next two weeks in the sunny, magical, super holiday zone that is Orlando. We do hope you enjoy the show and that you tell your friends. The more people we get listening, the better and longer the shows will be. So, from me, Peter Harper, sit back, relax, put your feet up, and enjoy the show. You know you want to. Hi everyone and welcome to episode three of the Orlando Infopod and tonight you've got Kath Watson, Bob Watson, Annette Kenny and Tim Tinsley. So we've got all the admins, uh, some admins in from the Orlando Info Zone and we're going to talk this evening for a short time about one of my favourite pastimes and that's eating. So we all need to do it. So who'd like to kick us off? Talk a little bit about what they'd like to eat and what they do. Well, there's there's a couple of things to talk about. One is eating in the parks and I guess eating not in the parks. Um, there's, there's been a fair bit of uh, questions and chat on the forum lately about what you can actually do about eating in the parks. What are the options for taking food in and what are the options for eating when you get in there? So maybe we could start with what you can actually take in with you to eat if you're going into the parks for the day. So you can definitely take in drinks and things like that. Um, I know we freeze some water and take in with us. How about... No glass bottles. No glass bottles, just plastics and things like that. Are you allowed to take in picnic things? You can take in food and you can take in a picnic up to a small size picnic, but it, the policies do vary slightly between the different parks. So, do either of you take anything into the parks with you when you go in? Don't normally, but I have done in the past a long time ago. And we once had it all took off us in Sea Wales. Oh, really? Mm. <laughs> Snap. <laughs> <laughs> we, when we go into Disney, we do tend to take, first of all, we have bottles of water, which have been in the freezer part of the... Uh, in the icebox overnight so we take them in frozen and they slowly thaw out over the course of the visit and we, we tend to take one or two little snack things that we then sometimes remember to eat and sometimes melt over the course of the morning and become inedible <laughs> but we don't generally take a lot of food in no parks. no tim though you were saying about um you've done a lot of disney dining so um would you like to talk a little bit maybe about um, booking 
table restaurants and things in advance and the dining plan? Yeah, sure. Um, I think just, just to quickly just finish off the taking food in, I think if I was to put the, the parks in order of kind of ease through to strictness, I would put Disney as the easiest, Universal in the middle and SeaWorld as the, the strictest. Um, they do all have slightly different policies and you do have to be quite careful about, especially the SeaWorld parks, about what you take in. And even time of day, uh, Universal on a, on a theme night, like Halloween Horror Nights, for example, you can't take any bottle that's been opened after six o'clock, even if it's just a bottle of water. Uh, if, it, if the seal's broken on it, they will take it off you. So that's just one thing to uh, bear in mind. Um, yeah, so dining plan. Obviously, it's the month of the free dining plan. So everybody uh, on OIZ and IOT is absolutely frantically um, booking up their free dining plan and then wondering how they're going to use it. Um, and just on the sort of the table service side of things, you really have two things to worry about, and that is uh, normal table service and the signature table service. It takes two two uh, credits, uh, shall we say. And you can book your your dining, and you don't have to be staying on property, or you don't have to have your tickets yet. But you can book dining from 180 days. If you are staying on property, and correct me if I'm wrong, Bob, because you're probably uh, more familiar with it, I think you could do 180 days plus up to 10 days yeah. uh, if you're staying on property. Up to 10 days of stay. We, we often fall foul of the fact that if you're actually changing your Disney hotel, then the clock starts again at check-in for the next hotel as well. So you can't, <laughs> you can't book across state, which is a bit awkward, but uh, yeah, that's... And it doesn't people change hotels. We do. Yeah. <laughs> for for a lot of the restaurants, it probably doesn't matter. But if you want certain restaurants at prime time, and certainly at prime time is in as in like Christmas, or, you know, booking a restaurant on Christmas Day, you really want to be right on the uh, on the nail of getting that as quickly as you can. Otherwise, your options will be limited. And I guess the key restaurants are things like Be Our Guest, which tends to be really quite a hard one to get reservations off, um, uh, et cetera. But generally, the, the buffet restaurants like Crystal Palace, they turn over tables quite a lot. So they, you can generally get those uh, a bit easier. Um, but yeah, if you want key restaurants, key times, you need to book 108 days. And I know a lot of people hate that kind of, I don't even know what I want to eat tomorrow, let alone in 180 days time. And it can be a bit frustrating, but if you don't, you're probably going to be disappointed. One thing you really can't do is turn up at a theme park, a Disney theme park and go, I fancied eating that restaurant today. I wonder if they've got some space available. Uh, because if you try on the day, you, it's not a case of you will have a long wait your long wait will be until about a couple of weeks' time. They, they just <laughs> don't have space on the day. I, I remember going into Epcot one morning. This was a few years ago, and the dining plan and dining's got more popular since then. And there was a board. We went in first thing. There was a board outside of guest services uh, advertising restaurant availability, and it had full written against every single restaurant apart from Marrakesh, 
which had very limited availability. <laughs> so, I was going to say the Moroccan one tends to be, there's a couple in Epcot that tend to be a bit easier because they're not that popular. But um, you're right, something like Rose and Crowns, um, you, you, yeah, you can forget that unless you've booked it. It's not a very big restaurant. It doesn't turn the tables over that quickly. Um, so it's quite difficult to get. Yeah. So, so the dining plan is great, but you, if you're on the dining plan, on a table service dining plan, you really do need to plan ahead and book ahead. You, you can't just, you can't just wing it. Um, there is the position though that there is always something available somewhere in Disney. It just might not be in the theme parks. Um, you might have to go to some obscure resort to actually get a table. Uh, we have turned up on the day at Olivia's in Old Key West and got sat straight down, even peak season. But that won't happen if you're in the theme parks or on the monorail. I was just going to add that a really good option as well is to book them anyway. So make sure if you want a sit down meal every day, book it because you can always cancel without charge generally as long as you give 24 hours notice and then you can always release it for someone else. So that's always a good thing. It's also good. I, I agree with you, Bob. I think it's a good idea to, if you have left it a little bit late, look at the restaurants that are pretty convenient for the theme parks that aren't in the theme parks. So the ones that are boat trip from, um, from Magic Kingdom, for example. So Fort Wilderness has a number of restaurants that's really quite nice. Wilderness Lodge, etc., or Boardwalk area that you can go out the side entrance of Epcot. Again, you can normally find the Italian there. You can normally get a table reasonably easy, and it's really nice. So that's normally a good option. Yeah. This, oh, um, the one thing I wanted to mention as well, you can also book to get an extra sneaky fast pass in as well. There are a few restaurants that you can book that will give you seating for the nighttime shows. I know they've done Rivers oh, yeah. of Light in Animal Kingdom, and Hollywood Studios also do it for the Fantasmic show. I don't think, as I say it, there is one in Magic Kingdom at the minute. I think they're all paid per. They are introducing a paid per one. Um, I think there might be a nominal charge in the others of about five extra dollars on. But I think the Happy Ever After one is significantly more expensive as well. So, or dessert parties there. Um, is there one in Epcot? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. We've, we've, talked about, we've, we've talked a bit about table service um, and the dining plan. Of course, there are more than one version of the of the dining plan. Uh, there's actually about four different <laughs> dining plans at Disney that are worth mentioning that uh, some are free at the moment, depending on what level of hotel you book. Other ones you can upgrade to, and one of them is quite a lot to upgrade to. But you start off with at the value resorts, there's the breakfast, the free breakfast version, which is... It doesn't have to be used just for your breakfast. You can use it as a, basically a counter service meal yeah. whenever, which it's, is... It's one counter service meal that you get on that one. Then you got at the moderate resorts, you get the quick service dining plan, which is two counter service meals, two snacks and your drinks cup. Then if you're at the... Deluxe resorts, that's where you get the classic dining plan, which is one table service, one quick service, and your two snacks and your drinks mug. You can go all the way up to a deluxe dining plan, which is as to three table service meals a day. I know two admins have done this. 
it is <laughs> that is a ridiculous amount of food um i don't know many people who've done it who particularly recommend it unless you're particularly going on holiday to eat and also because you're using your two credits so you could use them at cinderella's royal table or hoop to do review if it's still going there or yeah all those sorts of things anyway so right should we move away from disney we'll move away from disney okay let's go to the dark side up to universal up to universal <laughs> <laughs> so Nettie, you were saying about eating in city walk then in and around the parks yeah up at universal it was Tim who said about City Walk. I, oh, I was okay. mentioning Finnegan's Bar oh, inside okay. Universal, which is really nice. What sort of food do they do there? They do anything, everything, steaks, burgers. Um, they do a blooming onion. Oh. Which okay. is a must. Ooh, <laughs> tell me more. Definitely. Blooming onion is a must. You haven't been to Florida if you haven't had a blooming onion. Oh my gosh, that's going to have to go on the list then. Have you never had a blooming onion? No. Fantastic. I've never lived then. <laughs> so a whole, whole onion? A, a, a massive size of a melon onion. Wow. All spread out and deep fried. It's really nice. Zero calories as well. Oh, yeah. Zero. <laughs> what about you, Tim? I, I don't tend to eat that much in Universal. We've certainly never done any table service because there is, I think there's a nice table service meal that gets good reviews. The Atlantis, not the Atlantis ride, it's in that kind of area. Uh, is it My Mycos or something like that? Mythos, the Greek kind of area. Um, we, that gets good reviews. We've never done it. To be honest, whenever we're in Universal, we tend to end up at the Simpsons Taco Shack. Um, that tends to be our go-to go -to place. Though we do have one place on our list for October. Um, when we did Halloween Horror Nights last time, uh, we were sat and stood in the holding pen, actually near uh, Finnegan's, as you were mentioning. And somebody came up and they had this massive jacket potato, uh, fully topped and everything. He said, oh, where did you get that from? I said, over by Harry Potter. And so the next day when we went, uh, we thought, oh, we'll go get one. But it was too late. Um, it closes about five o'clock. So I think next time we do Halloween Horror Nights and do the holding pen, we'll be going to get a big jacket potato uh, and then sit in the holding pen uh, uh, eating that. So that's oh, one I must-do list. Yeah, it is. Now, from my understanding, if, if you want a table service meal in Universal, you're still better off booking, but you can get away with booking uh, a few days to a week in advance rather than 180 days in advance for those ones. And similarly, around City Walk, you're better off booking, although you can get meals... A lot of the table service ones as long as you're willing to to wait to get seated i did hear two really good tips that obviously the one that's really popular and everybody knows about are the landry cards which we haven't used i we haven't used ourselves but um it's almost a pay per card you pay so much money that goes on your card if it's your birthday when you visit as well there is an extra amount added on top if, if it is your birthday you, you mean <laughs> yeah we're, we're, we're like the queen we're like the queen we have two birthdays <laughs> but we can't possibly contone that here no 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 <laughs> um and and it also it's sort of seen as a good loyalty card which then gets you seated quicker um and preferential yeah. service and things like that so I, I see on the on the site lots of people recommend that and it, and i think yeah. it's you know, bubba gumps and t-rex yeah. 
we've used it for best part 10 years to be honest we've had it and it costs you 25 dollars to buy it but you like you said you get a 25 dollar credit uh, on it and then you get a 25 dollar credit for your birthday month so that you, you get 30 days to use that and there's about 25 restaurants in the orlando area that you you can use it at uh, and you do get front of line seating so it works really well at um uh, the um, Rainforest Cafe and T-Rex in Disney Springs. Uh, you can turn an hour and a half wait into about a four-minute wait. Wow. Um, and the same at Bubba Gump's. It works great there. And there's a few other places uh, uh, it, you can use it as well. So it's, if you're likely to do want to go to those restaurants, uh, it's definitely worth um, getting one. Uh, get it a little bit in advance. You can download an app. And therefore, you don't actually have to have the physical card. You can you show the card on the app if you need to, if you have left it a bit late. So you get the birthday credit each year? You get the birthday credit each year. You don't get the $25 credit uh, each year. You only have to pay the once. Uh, and you do earn points as well. And once you've got 250 points, I think you get one point per dollar. You get a $25 uh, credit then. So, you know, you can easily, you know, a reasonable family could spend $250 uh, in a couple of weeks out of, you know, Rainforest and T-Rex, et cetera, and you'll get another credit on that. Yeah, that's brilliant. Okay, thanks for that. And the other one I didn't know, and we've done this a few times, when you've stayed on property up at Universal, you can show your room key. And again, that will get you priority seating in in restaurants as well. I, I believe that's for the, the same ones that you get your Magical Express, only those three, I believe. The, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, so the, that's the Portofino, the, Hard Rock, and the Pacific, Low and Pacific. The Royal Pacific. Royal Pacific, yeah. I didn't know that one either. Um, we've never had a problem getting seated uh, in City Walks. I think the restaurants there are quite large. Uh, so, and, you know, our choice restaurants are places like Margaritaville and stuff like that. We, you generally don't seem to have a problem getting seating. But I remember that one for next time. Yeah, we're <laughs> going to try it this summer. We, we tried two of the sums. Yeah, there was a bit of a queue there. <laughs> yeah, we've not done that. There's always been a massive queue. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I joined the queue and they joined me later. But the milk, we just had a milkshake and it was, it did live up to the hype, I have to say. It was pretty do you, good. Do you each have a card, Tim? We do. Um, we do, yeah. Um, you need separate email addresses, but yeah, because we go quite often. It, it we've got different birthdays. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> day. It does. Up in Universal as well, we tend to use the counter service meals um, during the day, and we've eaten at Moe's Tavern, which is you're very very busy. The last time we were there, you had to queue to get in through the door, queue to take a. Um, one person only was allowed to queue and then we had to find seats and it was it was worse than queuing for rides in fact because it was so busy um the food's okay it's burgers and chips and theme parks sort of food as you'd expect um but yeah trying to get some food up there was pretty pretty hard and the other one we eat in is the jurassic park one charlie quite likes all the yeah. theming up there and again the food is theme park food it costs a lot it's it is what it is, but in the middle of the day, you're quite happy to have something just to keep you going. So what do you do, Nettie, when you go to the theme parks? Snacks, because we've filled up on breakfast. 
Okay. So we'll have a decent breakfast, just snacks during the day, and then eat out of the night, which um, is usually off site. Where do you like to eat out? Denny's, Longhorns, any of them. So Chinese. Off, off to the good old uh, chain restaurants. Yeah, definitely. I even like um, Golden Corral, which I know a oh. lot of people hate. Oh, no, we like it. I we like it. it. <laughs> yeah. So tell us, for people who've never been before, because I was talking to somebody earlier today, and they, they wanted to know about restaurants outside the parks. So what yeah. sorts of things can they get if they go into Golden Corral or... Um, Longhorns or things like that. What sort of food would be on the menu for them? Well, Golden Corral, they actually cook the steak in front of you to, to your liking. Um, there's chicken, ribs, every potato, chips, everything you want, soup, salads, every pudding, cake, biscuit you could want. Because Golden Corral, it, it, it's one of these eat all you want buffet places, isn't it? It is, with a Hot chocolate fountain with marshmallows. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Could just do that now. Yeah. And the servers keep bringing you drinks and things and they clear away for they you. Do. They time. do. So for those who remember going years ago, Ponderosa was similar to that sort of thing, wasn't it? That you yeah, ordered. It was. Yeah. But um, Golden Corral seems to be. Seems to have survived better than Ponderosa has, which uh, I think there is. Still, the odd Ponderosa are open, but a lot of the old Ponderosas have gone. They're I believe gone. the one on the 192 is now closed. Is it? But it, it definitely did go downhill to, to what it used to be. Yeah. Yeah, Golden Corral seems to have a much larger variety than Ponderosa ever managed. Yeah, definitely. So, if we're going out for a steak, guys, where are we going? <laughs> Depends how much you want to spend. Oh, sky's the limit. Well, if sky's the limit, you want to go somewhere like Ruth's Chris Steakhouse or um, the um, Morton Out. Steakhouse, somewhere like that. Or Outback. Okay. I wouldn't put Outback in. Outback's a delicious steak, but it's oh, not. Right. It's not in the. It's not, it's in a different league to somewhere like Ruth's, um, uh, where you will probably pay about three times more. Wow. Whether you get three times the quality, I'm not so sure. Um, but it's a very expensive steak, but it'll be nice. I have to say, Outbacks and Longhorns, I mean, these, these are two that are in similar brackets to one another. Yeah. The steaks you get there, compared with the steaks you'd even get in somewhere like Beefeater in this country, they just seem such a much better quality steak that they keep over in the States compared with what we get over here. Yeah, oh, definitely. Do. Definitely. Um, you know, you're, you're your Outbacks, your Longhorns, your Texas Roadhouse will all serve a steak that will, will, would be a high-end steak in the UK. Nice. I'm going anywhere. I'll have a steak, so I don't yeah, need to cooked in front of me at Golden Corral, or I've never been to Ruth's. Ruth's Chris. Chris. I've seen it advertised. So what's, what makes it so special, Tim? It's really top-end steak. Um, you can tell it's expensive because you only get the steak and you literally have to buy, you know, if you want any starch with it or any veg, that's extra. Uh, you will get a, a, you know, a fist size or, or grapefruit size of fillet on a sizzling platter uh, covered in uh, sizzling butter served at you and it will just melt in your mouth. Um, 
But to be honest, one of the best steaks I've ever had in the, in, and we don't tend to have that much steak because my wife's a vegetarian and my daughter doesn't eat steak. So it tends to be, uh, we need to go somewhere that does steak, but does somewhere else, something else as well. Um, and, and there's a few places like that. Uh, but the best one we had was Artist Point in Wilderness Lodge, yep. where they serve buffalo steak. And it just blew my mind. It was absolutely gorgeous. Right. And they, for, for the people that don't eat steak, they do a beautiful cedar plank salmon as well. Uh, king salmon uh, cooked on a cedar plank. Getting hungry now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's round up with one restaurant. If you're going to Florida, you're only going for one day. You've got one restaurant to go to. Which one are you going to and why? Who wants to? Mine's easy because I've thought of this question. So if I go first, it's the Cheesecake Factory. And I'm having a chicken and bacon and avocado club sandwich to start, followed by any of the um, cheesecakes. I might have to take it home in a doggy bag because their portions are so huge. And they do fantastic cocktails as well. So it's, I'm in heaven in the Cheesecake Factory. Yeah, che mm. Cheesecake Factory, but more, more of millennia. The, the only downside is there's always a wait. There's yeah. always a wait for a seating. Uh, and the, the top tip there is as soon as your meal arrives, it's worth taking about a third of it, putting it to one side because that's the bit that you're taking home. <laughs> and the other two thirds and have the rest as a, as a nice smaller meal the next day. <laughs> what about you? Me? I'm around Orlando. It's probably going to be Miller's. Yeah, uh, yeah. Miller's Ale House. Um, I like as the kind of ambience, there's lots on the menu that I like. I, I can work my way through quite a, quite a bit on that menu. But of course, you've got to finish up with Captain Jack's pudding to, to finish off with. Which is? Very chocolatey. Mm. Mm. <laughs> um, it's nice and convenient for, for Disney. It's, we've gone there a lot because if you're staying at Disney and you're, you're just driving out for somewhere to eat in the evening, it's one of the first places you can come to. Um, so it's it's nice and handy, um, and it's good sized portions, good variety of things that I like, and yeah, that's that's one of our go tos. Yeah, Letty. Mine's got to be the uh, restaurant, the Chinese restaurant, Rice Up Star Hotel, and, um, Comfort Suites on one nine two. It's Rice Up Old Town. It's it, I can't pronounce it. It's called Hakodi or Hakodu. It's a Chinese and Japanese restaurant. Help yourself, and the food is amazing. It's twelve dollars ninety nine ahead after four o'clock, and eight dollars ninety nine before four o'clock. If I only had one meal, I'd go there. I love a good Chinese. Yeah, definitely. Tim, I couldn't narrow it down to one. <laughs> I'd have to go with probably three. Uh, it would be either Olive Garden um, because uh, the breadsticks and the the salad uh, and the pastas are gorgeous. Or sweet tomatoes, which is a, kind of a healthier version of Golden Corral, where you have a really big salad bar and then some baked potatoes and stuff like that. Quite like that. It's easy. Uh, or probably our favorite and our, one of our must do's is Benahana's, uh, which is a Japanese teppanaki grill uh, where, where you sit around a large uh, table and the chefs cook the food on the grill pan in front of you. They do all the knife uh, 
you know, throwing it around and doing a volcano out of onions and things like this. You sit in a group of eight or 12 people and uh, yeah, it's really nice. We always tend to go there. Uh, the wife loves the scallops they do there and I love the uh, steak and chicken that they will do and the and massive prawns or shrimp as they call it over there. <laughs> yeah, sure. Wow, we're full. <laughs> one one last quick question. Okay. If you're going on a budget, where do you go for a cheap meal? And me, I we had the steak and shake for the cheap meals. Uh, that's that's a really good bargain burger and fries and a milkshake and done and out. I would go probably to Arby's if you like uh, freshly cut meats and sandwiches and things like that, because um, that's pretty reasonable it's a fast food place similar to mcdonald's and kfc but they do um beef chicken turkey sandwiches and then you can get fries and things on the side as well so that's pretty reasonable that's where we go i've still never been to steak and shake i need to go and try um but probably i'll probably go to walmart and get some cooked chicken and some nice crusty breads and go and eat it by the pool Ooh, fab I'd probably do two we've mentioned, either Golden Corral, especially, you know, because you can get coupons in the in the free Florida guides that you find at the airport in your hotel or Sweet Tomatoes uh, if I want to sit downy kind of thing, because um, at least I can have something that isn't fries and a burger. Yes, because it can be overkill, can't it? But there's lots. Of yeah. After two weeks, I'm starting to look like fries and a burger. There are there's lots of burgers happen. Don't know how or why they just happen to you. Whilst I probably you're only have one burger in the whole of my holiday every year. Wow! And that's Denny's. I quite okay. like their burgers, and that's probably the only one I have. So, what would be your other choices? Chinese, cooked chicken. Yeah, like the the crispy chicken, steaks, um, pasta. We generally keep our burgers down to, to maybe only one a day on average. <laughs> <laughs> one a hence, holiday. Hence why I'm in the Orlando Fun Fitness and Friends room. <laughs> so so where would you recommend for a burger then? Miller's. Miller's. Miller's Ale House, they do a prime rib burger. Yeah. And it is pretty good. It is pretty good. Whereas I've spent years perfecting exactly which mix of ingredients to ask for them to put on to my Five Guys burger. Yeah, I always go for a Denny's one, but I, I can't pick it up. It's that big. I have to eat it with a knife and fork. Wow. I always struggle with burgers with the having, because uh, I like mine cooked through. And yeah. obviously in the UK, you that would automatically come, but over there... You've actually got to ask for it to be cooked through, especially when it's a thicker, uh, a chunkier burger. Yeah. Yeah. I like it well, well done and cooked. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We're just going to sign off. So, Bob? Uh, goodbye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye. See you soon. Thanks, then. Okay. And thanks for joining us, talking about food in Orlando. We're all starving, so we're often hoping for something <laughs> nice to eat. And we'll catch you all soon. So... Bye for now. Bye-bye. Grumpy middle-aged dad and Lottie 
More Adventures in Orlando. Day 8. The I've paid for a 14-day Universal Pass, so let's make sure we get our money's worth on the last day. Day. Today's look. The All-Action Athlete. Shorts from Sports Direct. Short, silky ones with side vents, as worn by Kenyan marathon runners. Vest from Wolverhampton Indoor Market. Loosely fitted, teasingly showing one moob nipple. Headband from Used Dudley. Bought off a guy who claims it belonged to John McEnroe, but I don't think he was being serious. Today's look is deliberately athletic, as this is our last full day, and we plan to really go for it, to make sure we get around all the bits of Universal we've missed. Like all wonderful float folk from the black country, I do like to wring out every drop of value from each dollar that I've handed over to Mr Universal. So my challenge today was to walk around both parks and not miss a single ride, shop or toilet. Getting about a bit also exposes me to more folk, especially in these shorts, and increases my chances of being spotted, thus winning my bet with Lottie. After seven non-celebrity days here so far, I've accepted that, that this is unlikely to happen. Desperately looking for an alternative reason other than just people don't give a toss, I reckon my chances would have been better walking round with a face mask of the grumpy dad caricature instead. Because that wouldn't have been creepy at all, would it? So, on to today's adventure and our plans to go on every ride, especially the ones where you get a chance to get to experience how it must feel to be that one lonely sock in the tumble dryer. I do like roller coasters, but they don't half mess me hair up. I want my quaffed Barney to look at its superb best for today's shenanigans, so, in readiness, I pop down to the convenient but terribly expensive marketplace shop to get some gel or other product that would make it look like a frit had been frozen to me head. The girl behind the till today, Rosetta Alopecia, wasn't sure if they sold strung hair gel, so shouted across to her colleague, Janelle Aurora Crystal Chandelier, and asked, Hey girl, you got anything that can keep this old guy rock hard? Janelle Aurora smiled seductively, but I politely declined her offer of another free sample of Throb Stay and returned to my room, hoping I'd have enough Elnet Maxi Hold to keep my bouffant in place after two goes on Rip Ride Rocket. Once safely in the park, Lottie and I maxed out our smug passes in the first couple of hours, managing to get on quite a few rides. We both giggled like little kids at Minions, I had my hair messed up so it looked like a burst mattress on Rip Ride Rocket and we were left underwhelmed by the mummy. Then we both felt sick when we came out of Transformers after being violently chucked from side to side in an attempt to outrun a gang of angry zombies made out of bean cans. All this expensively made excitement led us to lunchtime, so after a little browse in the shops, Lottie and I found a bench in the shade in Pretend New York, and for an half an hour or so we sat and chatted away, eating a pepperoni pretzel with cheese sauce. Ooh, that was nice. Then we were serenaded by a fake Marilyn Monroe, who reminded me a bit of my darling Holly Willoughby as we ate our ice cream. 
I'm still watching my waistline, so chose the regular size Ben and Jerry's Oreo and peanut butter milkshake at just 1,250 calories a suck. Looking back now, these little moments with Lottie were the best part of the holiday. Just the two of us sitting in the sunshine, people watching and chatting away about daft stuff. At the time, I didn't realise it, as there is always so much going on, but it dawned on me since that this is probably the longest time I've ever spent on my own with my little girl. I'm pretty angry with myself about that. At the time of recording this, she's 18 now and all grown up, and this is the most time in almost 18 of those years that we've done this. I'd like to think I've been a good dad to Sam and Lottie as they've both grown up. I've loved them, provided for them and given them a good start in life. But I do feel totally ashamed of myself that I allowed work to come between me and my family and missed out on such a lot of them growing up. Apprentice grumpy dads take note. Anyway, we had prime New York pavement seats for the Blues Brothers show and having just missed it a couple of times this week, I was determined to shake a tail feather today. I loved the movie and the two guys playing Jake and Elwood here were both great. Both really good looking, sang and danced and they looked just like the real thing. I did my best clicky finger dad dancing, singing at the top of my voice and happily forgetting the fact that I'm a 50 year old man dressed in cheap running gear. Lottie shuffled away further in embarrassment with each of my perfectly timed twists and was almost out of the park when I started to recruit other crowd members for a conga. These guys were ace and I was dead impressed with a cool old dude on the sax. Well dressed with a great soul voice, he really got the crowd moving as he danced and played at the same time. Mind you, when he eats that eye note, I bet you couldn't get a credit card between the crack of his arse. We headed over to the Simpsons bit and after a refreshing but ridiculously expensive duff beer and a smug pass go on the very funny Simpsons ride, decided to head back over to the other park to finish off our day. Despite Southern Rail's wildcat uh, strike action at Harry Potter's pretend King's Cross, we were back over in Potterland in no time, managing to avoid the stoppers, the wanderers, the crisscrossers and the military moms in our way. And that's where we'll end it, part one of this penultimate chapter, listeners. Join me again for one last time for more Grumpy Adventures. Grumpy out. To bit. Hi, everyone. It's uh, Sue Sutherland here, bringing you your Orlando weather for the Orlando Info podcast. We're going to start off this week with Saturday the 11th of May. 32 degrees with a real feel of 37 degrees. It's going to be partly sunshine and humid. We've got no rainfall due, 41% cloud cover. At night, <coughs> excuse me, we've got 22 degrees with a real feel of 24 degrees. A thunderstorm around in the evening, otherwise it's going to be partly cloudy. One millimetre of rainfall and 26% cloud cover. On Sunday the 12th of May, we've got 32 degrees with a real feel of 37 degrees, partial sunshine, humid and an afternoon thunderstorm or two. 
2.5mm of rainfall and 41% cloud cover. At night, 23 degrees with a real feel of 24 degrees, mostly cloudy, humid and a passing thunderstorm around later. 1mm of rainfall and 76% cloud cover. On Monday the 13th of May, we've got 31 degrees with a real feel of 36 degrees, mostly cloudy, a couple of showers and a thunderstorm and humid. 7.7mm of rainfall and 76% cloud cover. At night we've got 22 degrees with a real feel of 22 degrees. It's going to be clear, no rainfall and 8% cloud cover. So beautiful night to look at those stars. On Tuesday the 14th we've got 30 degrees with a real feel of 33 degrees, mostly sunny, a chance of a shower or a thunderstorm. Rain falls at zero and the cloud covers at 14%. Good day. At night, 19 degrees with a real feel of 18 degrees, zero millimetres of rainfall but 83% cloud cover. <laughs> Hope you paid attention to the clouds last night. <laughs> On Wednesday the 15th of May, We've got 29 degrees with a real feel of 30 degrees, cloudy mostly most of the time and a couple of strong thunderstorms possible but zero millimetres of rainfall so it's obviously not going to come to too much eh? Cloud covers sitting at 81%. At night we've got 20 degrees with a real feel of 19 degrees, it's going to be turning cloudy. Zero millimetres of rainfall and the cloud covers at 82%. Thursday the 16th of May, 30 degrees with a real feel of 32 degrees, cloudy and a chance of a shower or thunderstorm. Zero millimetres of rainfall, 96% cloud cover. At night, 19 degrees with a real feel of 19 degrees, mainly clear, rainfalls at zero and 24% cloud cover. Friday the 17th of May, 28 degrees with a real feel of 33 degrees, partly sunny, a couple of showers and a thunderstorm in the afternoon. 5.5 millimetres of rainfall and 40% cloud cover. At night we've got 19 degrees with a real feel of 18 degrees, partly cloudy, 0 millimetres of rainfall and 40% cloud cover. On Saturday the 18th of May, We've got 29 degrees with a real feel of 31 degrees. We've got no rainfall due and cloud covers at 35%. At night we've got 20 degrees with a real feel of 18 and it's going to be clear. No rainfall and only 2% cloud cover so you're really going to see those stars next Saturday night. On Sunday the 19th of May we've got 31 degrees with a real feel of 34 degrees. Partly sunny and a chance of a shower or a thunderstorm. Zero millimetres of rainfall and 45% cloud cover. At night we've got 21 degrees with a real feel of 22 degrees. Partly cloudy, zero millimetres of rainfall but 66% cloud cover. On Monday the 20th of May we've got 31 degrees with a real feel of 35 degrees. Clouds and sun and a shower or thunderstorm possible. The rain is at zero millimetres and 50% cloud cover. 
At night we've got 20 degrees with a real feel of 21 degrees, but it's going to be mainly clear. Zero millimetres of rainfall and the cloud covers at 21%. On Tuesday the 21st of May, we've got 32 degrees with a real feel of 35 degrees, partly sunshine, a couple of showers and a thunderstorm possible. The rain falls at zero millimetres and the cloud covers at 29%. At night we've got 20 degrees with a real feel of 20 degrees, it's going to be mainly clear, zero millimetres of rainfall and 15% cloud cover. Wednesday the 22nd of May, we've got 32 degrees with a real feel of 36 degrees, pa partial, partial sunshine, sorry, rainfall at zero millimetres and the cloud covers at 22%. At night, we've got 20 degrees with a real feel of 22 degrees, mainly clear and humid. Zero millimetres of rainfall and 12% cloud cover. On Thursday the 23rd of May, we've got 26 degrees with a real feel of... Why did I say 26? That's really weird. We've got 32 degrees with a real feel of 36 degrees, mostly sunny and less humid. That's good, we like less humid. The rain falls at zero millimetres and cloud cover is at 20%. At night we've got 21 degrees with a real feel of 21 degrees. A shower in the evening, otherwise it'll be partly cloudy. 0.5 millimetres of rainfall and 24% cloud cover. And last but not least we've got Friday the 24th of May. With 30 degrees, which is a real feel of 35 degrees, some sun, sun and some clouds, and a thunderstorm possible in the afternoon. The rain falls at zero millimetres and the cloud cover is at 31%. At night we've got 21 degrees, it's going to feel like 22 degrees, clear to partly cloudy, zero, mil zero millimetres of rainfall and 28% cloud cover. That concludes your weather forecast for this fortnight's Orlando Info Pod. And we'll catch up with you again in a fortnight. Enjoy your holidays, guys. I'm Sue and I love Mickey Mouse. Grumpy middle-aged dad and Lottie. More adventures in Orlando. Day 8. The I've paid for a 14-day universal pass, so let's make sure we get our money's worth on the last day. Day. Continued. You join me on our last day at Universal as Lottie and I ring out every bit of fun and enjoyment of our time here in Orlando. It's hot and expensive, but I'm loving every single minute. Ready? Let's go. You may remember I mentioned bras in the description of the candy-crushing mom in the last chapter. And while I'm feeling brave because I'm getting to the end of this audiobook, I have a question for all you yummy Orlando ladies. Since when did bras double up as mobile phone holsters? Are they now being made with an extra pouch? Or are you just sort of podging them in? This new phenomenon along with nearly everything about women, to be honest, completely and utterly bamboozles me. 
Like most dopey-eyed, one-track-minded male idiots, I love bras. I absolutely love them. They have always been of immense interest to me, and I only have to see a flash of a flimsy, lacy strap to go as googly-eyed and as weak at the knees as I did the first time I ever saw one in my mum's Grattan catalogue. But aren't they meant to hold in and support beautiful bosoms rather than be a secret hiding place for your phone? And... Aren't you ever worried that when you reach in to get your phone that you could accidentally scoop out a floppy knocker? Over in Orlando, when it's it's horribly sticky hot every day, it seems to me that the extra sweat could create the perfect environment for that to happen. By the way, if there's a scientist listening to this and you need help doing some field research, I'm your man. Here's a story for you. A friend of mine told me that she was out shopping once in the big Tesco in Dudley and was happily chatting away on the phone. As most women do, she got carried away with the conversation and, suddenly realising the time, hastily ended the call in the deep freeze oil and quickly poked the phone in back into her bra. Unbeknownst to her, she'd forgotten to lock the screen and a combination of reaching into the back of the deep freeze for mixed veg and a big erect nipple, she accidentally purchased a set of rattan furniture, a pack of dog chews and a year subscription to Amazon Prime. It's true that. Honest. Anyway, back to the story and we soaked up the last bit of sunshine in Harry Potter's wobbly shop street and as the sky was starting to look a bit menacing, we decided to quickly make it over to Jurassic Park next door. Mr Universal has made so much money that he has special radars in his secret control centre and he can detect bad weather 15 minutes before he's due over his empire. This gives him the chance to close all of his outdoor rides down in case some poor numpty gets struck by lightning while strapped into a boat looking for plastic dinosaurs. In this case, it was me. Just as we reached the Jurassic Park Glog Flume ride, the board went up to say that it was temporarily shut down due to bad weather and, at that exact moment, Orlando did indeed decide that everyone was having way too much fun for one day so it sent down some angry rain to ruin everybody's day. As people hurriedly reached for $15 ponchos to make themselves look like a human boil in the bag, the heavens opened for a huge dose of thundery wet misery, and Lottie and I were forced to take cover inside the smug pass queue for Kong. I didn't mind as it was dry, and as we'd been rushing around, it was a bit of a chance for me to write up my notes on the day so far. Or, so I thought. As soon as my phone came out, I got a... For God's sake, Dad, put your phone away. Lottie was getting fed up with me writing my blogs, even as we headed up the M6 on travel day, and ever since then she's been forever berating me on being on my phone. Ha, <laughs> the irony. So, I've taken to writing stuff when she's not looking, or getting up early in the morning before she's even awake. She also totally lost interest in mob blogs around day three after hearing me laugh at my own jokes and telling her how many likes I'd got. She just doesn't get it at all. In fact, she didn't even read mob blogs from last year and didn't read the book, 
stating that she wouldn't get most of my jokes as they were all written in the time before she was born. I can't argue with that, to be honest. Even when I think I've written something good and got hundreds of likes and positive comments, she remains totally unimpressed and resorts to taking the mickey. Dad, you're not even funny! And adopting a nerdy scientist voice and poking the imaginary glasses on. Well, statistically, the figures prove that I'm popular as I've got 236 likes, 64 loves and 34 laugh-out-louds in only the first 95 minutes. That's 3.515789473 reactions for every 60 seconds. Oh, I do love the math. That was Lottie, by the way. It wasn't me. Well, it was me pretending to be Lottie. I had a feeling she'd moan about it as she'd been well prepped by wifey. I find out, I found out that they'd had a secret conversation before we left and Lottie had been primed and armed with all manner of tricks, insults and comments to make me behave. So, being the smart arse that I am, in readiness for Lottie moaning about me tapping away on my phone, I'd bought a small notepad to jot ideas down as we trekked around the parks. This backfired spectacularly, as not only did I look like some weirdo pervert detective looking suspiciously around at people, giggling to myself and then making notes, but Lottie found yet another reason to take the mickey out of me. Oh, he's here again, Inspector Blue's Clues. What you found funny this time, Dad? A dead lizard? So we queued in a damp, tired silence for about 40 minutes until it was our turn to see the big monkey kill loads of dinosaurs again. I wonder what they must feed him. Anyway, back outside, Orlando must have been terribly angry that day as the rain became biblical and put a wet full stop to our last few hours in the park. So we bailed back to the hotel to dry off and get ready for our last meal at Bubba Gump's. As we gorged on coconut shrimp and got merry on a few American beers, I did get a bit soppy, really hoping I'd made my little girl happy in the last eight days. I sat across from her, getting pie-eyed and telling her I'd had a great time as she told me to shut up and stop being weird again. Trying to snap out of my dopey state, we then played a game where we went over our holiday best bits. Best day... Best ride, funniest ride, the best show, the best meal. Oh, it was great. We were still in Orlando, but already reminiscing about the amazing time we'd had. I knew then that I'd done my job. I'd created memories with my little girl that will stay with both of us forever. You can't buy that, folks. I would have recorded my exact thoughts at the time, but Lottie had stolen my phone and thrown away my notebook. <clears throat> anyway, that's the end of this chapter. Join me again next time for the final chapter in Grumpy Middle-Aged Dad and Lottie, our adventures in Orlando. Grumpy out. P.S. I still had to get spotted. Tror beat. Hi there, Peter. 
Next up in my series of clips about the history and details behind key attractions, we're now going to move on to Living with the Lands, which is in Epcot. Living with the Lands was an original launch attraction within Epcot, opened in October 1982. It was originally called Listen to the Land until 1993. It's a combined dark ride and greenhouse tour located downstairs within the Lands Pavilion, just around from Soaring. The focus of the ride is on agriculture, especially new technology to make agriculture more efficient and environmentally friendly. Whilst Living with the Land is an updated version of the previous attraction, very little has changed between the two versions of the attractions. The opening scene, the Symphony of the Seeds, which provided a stylized look at the growth of a plant, was replaced by the opening storm scene. Also, the biotech lab was relocated from the exit tunnel to the creative greenhouse. The integrated pest management lab is now housed in the space formerly occupied by the biotech lab and the ride has been updated to use an automated guide and not a cast member. The ride uses boats with a capacity of about 40 people and lasts around 20 minutes. It was originally supposed sponsored by Kraft from opening to 1993, Nestle's from 1993 to 2007 and is currently sponsored by somewhere I, something I can't pronounce which is Chichink. Uh, Chichinta Brands International. I think there's something to do with bananas. The dark ride portion of the attraction opens with a scene of deciduous forest in the middle of a thunderstorm, illustrating how the forces that shape the land can appear destructive to us. The boat then sails through artificial plants representing a tropical rainforest, then a desert, and then finally the American prairie. Some of the audio animatronic figures in this section were originally created for the never-built Magic Kingdom attraction Western River Expedition. The scenes feature sounds and lighting effects in addition to a bit of heat, wind and mist to simulate real conditions. The, blo boats, fl boats. the boats float through a small theatre that illustrates the relationships between humans and environments and the way that we have been modifying the land to better serve our purposes. It then move into the second part of the attraction, which takes place in the land's living laboratory, which showcases ideas about the future of agriculture. All of the plants in this section are grown from various methods of hydroponics, and plants are grown in sands, perlite, coconut coir, and rock wall. There are five distinct areas of the living laboratory, which are the tropical greenhouse. This greenhouse features crops from the tropical areas of the world, including both familiar and exotic foods, Plants on display including bananas, jackfruit, date palms, dragon fruit, vanilla, pineapple, java apples and papaya. Next up is the aquatic cell section focusing on aquaculture or fish farming. It includes several high density tanks and the low density display tanks and tubes. Animals on display include tilapia, sturgeon, paddlefish, catfish, bass, American alligators and some shrimp. Some of the fish harvested from the aquacells are served in the Coral Reef restaurant in the Seas with Nemo and Friends Pavilion, which seems a little bit mean to me. Look for the hidden Mickey in a display tube. Currently, the Temperate House showcases large-sized crops such as Atlantic Giant Pumpkins, Winter Melons, Pomelo and Nine Pound Lemons. Other crops include sunflower, beets, turnips, cotton and millet. The next greenhouse you'll encounter is called the String Greenhouse. It focuses on innovative high-density techniques such as neutrofilm techniques. 
It also shows off vertical growing techniques in which plants are grown on specialised trellises which cause the plants to approximate the shape and structure of trees. One of the most famous examples of these trees is the Land's tomato tree, which produces over 32,000 tomatoes in a 16-month period. It was actually recognised by the Guinness World Records as both the largest and most productive tomato plant in the world. Other crops you'll see include eggplant, peppers, winged beans and lettuce. Furthermore, cucumbers and pumpkins are grown in the shape of Mickey Mouse through the use of special moulds. Again, much of the product grown in the string greenhouse is used in the garden grill and sunshine seasons, both restaurants in the land pavilion. In total, over 30 tonnes of product are harvested from the land each year. The final greenhouse on your little boat trip is the creative greenhouse. In the interaction, some show some unusual ideas about the future of agriculture. Most of the plants in Creative House are grown via aerophonics, in which a fine mist of water and nutrients is sprayed directly onto the roots of the plant. The roots dangle freely in the air and are not hindered by the growing media. Some of the plant's roots in Creative House are enclosed within rotating columns and A-frame structures, while others are completely exposed to the air, at least temporarily, so the entire plant may be viewed by the guests on the boat ride. Creative House also features a small exhibit on NASA's hydrophonic growing units, which were developed for the use of extended length space journeys. Crops here on display include tomatoes, squash, lettuce, basil, rosemary, cabbage, super dwarf wheat, Swiss chard, marigolds and snapdragons. Attached to the Creative Greenhouse, the Biotech Lab is a sterile research environment. Several USDA scientists are on site at the lands performing research on crop improvements. The land also produces a product called Mickey's Mini Gardens in the Biotech Lab, which are available for purchase in several locations in Epcot. An entomology laboratory that raises beneficial insects for use in lands and all over Walt Disney World is not visible with, uh, on the Living with the Lands boat ride, but is visited during the Behind the Seeds backstage tour, which you can book up on. Insects raised here include tiny, stingless, parasitic wasps and ladybirds, which are called ladybugs in the USA. Hope you found that interesting. Tim out. We do hope you've enjoyed listening to the Orlando Info Pod episode three. I want to say a very big thank you to Kath and Bob Watson, Tinsley, Annette Kenny, Michael Hadley and Sue Sutherland for all the input they've put in the show tonight. We hope you've enjoyed it and that you will tell your friends about it. We really, really want this podcast to take off, but we can only do it with your help. So spread the word, guys. And don't forget, if you want to come and join us on Facebook on the Orlando Info Zone, we would love to have you there for lots of tips, news, information, and general fun, all to do with Orlando. So from me, Peter Harper, thanks for listening again. Good night, goodbye, good morning, whatever time of day it is, take care. <laughs>